A special thanks goes out to the folks at Anchor.fm for bringing you this podcast. Coming to you almost live from our studios in New York, this is Tom Reads Your Story. Stay tuned for readings from social media and other spoken word projects. Join me right now. I'm your host, voice actor and podcaster, Tom Zania. Welcome, everyone. I'm Tom Zania. We'll have your words from social media and much more right after these important announcements. Jeff Corey was a great Hollywood character man who became blacklisted in 1951. In the book Improvising Out Loud, My Life Teaching Hollywood How to Act, Corey recounts his extraordinary story. Among the actors who would soon fill his classes were James Dean, Kirk Douglas, Jane Fonda, Rob Reiner, Jack Nicholson, and Leonard Nimoy. In 1962, when the blacklist ended, Corey was one of the industry's first trailblazers to seamlessly reboot his acting career and secure roles in some of the classic films of the era, including Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid, True Grit, and Little Big Man, in which he starred as the infamous Wild Bill Hickok. His memoir, which he wrote with his daughter Emily Corey, provides a unique and personal perspective on the man whose teaching inspired some of Hollywood's biggest names to star in the roles that made them famous. Improvising Out Loud, My Life Teaching Hollywood How to Act, written by Jeff Corey with Emily Corey. Listen to this incredible book by visiting audible.com. Do you need a good professional sound for your podcast? I'm Tom Zania, voice actor and podcast host of Tom Reads Your Story. I can give you the sound you're looking for for your podcast intros and advertisements at the price and turnaround you need. So don't hesitate and send me a message at TomReadYourStory at Yahoo.com. And we are back. Welcome back, you regular listeners, to Tom Reads Your Story. I'm Tom Zania. I appreciate the fact that you're stopping by a lot. Maybe every week. Maybe not every week. Or maybe just once in a while. And if you're brand new, if this is the first time you've been here, welcome. You are going to be very happy you stopped by. This is Tom Reads Your Story. This is the readings from Facebook posts mostly. However, I have to add something. This week is not about Facebook. However, I'm reading this week from a number of articles from publications, newspapers, or magazines. In regards to something we are getting tired of talking about, and I have covered this before on the show, and that is anti-vaccination. Insisting that there's no need for a vaccination and that 
people are getting sick anyway, and blah, blah, blah. Uh, certain people is what I'm focusing on this week. And I, you know, I don't do that because I don't like them. Uh, I do it because people are insisting that they know more than, you know, the, the people in the science world, the medical professionals who are working day and night like crazy to get you vaccinated so that we can get a hold on this ridiculous coronavirus that seems to be getting worse. And not from the vaccination, but just because of these variants. And uh, we need to get the word out there that being vaccinated is a good, a good thing, a great thing, really, because um, it means that the more people that are vaccinated, the less problems we're going to be having. And we will get a hold on these variants. Um, but more people still have to be vaccinated. Regardless of, and this is the thing too that I'm, I'm really sorry about, religion or politics, regardless of that, you need to listen to science. You don't need to listen to Fox News or any of these other ridiculous things that insist that taking a vaccination is the wrong thing to do. The wrong thing to do is to listen to them, believe me. You need to get vaccinated. That's the long and the short of it. What I have are four different articles that were not in Facebook, at least not that I could see. Um, but there are four here. And I'm not going to say them in order because it just doesn't really matter. Um, the, uh, there's one called Landon Spradlin, who was a person who uh, was a blues singer and, I guess, an evangelist, and he uh, died from COVID after insisting that it uh, was something that he could get around. Dick Farrell, a right-wing broadcaster, much like um, Rush Limbaugh, who insisted that uh, only stupid liberals uh, get this ridiculous disease and there's no, no need to worry about it. It's just a hoax. This is called Misled. It's kind of a generalization article. And Many Regrets is the last one from CNN. And that is uh, mostly about people who are regretting the fact that they didn't get vaccinated and that uh, that is an important message in this week's episode the people that don't want to get vaccinated are dying literally they're dying and uh, before their last breath they're saying hey this thing is real Go out and get the shot. Let's listen now. 
Landon Spradlin. I knew coronavirus denier Landon Spradlin. His death wasn't a punchline. The evangelical musician died of COVID-19 after calling it fake news. He was a victim of forces much larger than him. By Emily Brunfield Hessen, Foreign Policy, April 2, 2020. On March 25th, an old friend of my family died of pneumonia and coronavirus. The next day, his story went viral. The local blues musician and small-time street preacher became a symbol and a punchline, presented as a pandemic-denying Trumpist evangelical who got what he deserved. But Landon Spradlin wasn't killed by his misguided religious beliefs, and he deserves better than to be remembered as a punchline. He died because he came from a casually conservative rural America that has become worryingly detached from reality over the pandemic, and thousands of others could follow his path. Landon was always a strange and controversial figure, even among the dominant conservative Christians of my hometown of Chatham, Virginia. He'd witness on street corners and try to get people to kneel on the sidewalk and accept Jesus, even if they'd been lifelong churchgoers. He'd go to parties, condemn the drinking, and try to save souls. My earliest memory of him was the loud baptisms he performed in the lake in front of my neighbor's house. He could be obnoxious and self-righteous at times. But he wasn't some prosperity gospel huckster or wealthy megachurch pastor. He was a traveling musician who frequently went out of his way to help the forgotten and the downtrodden. And he never had much money. He condemned drugs and alcohol, but he tried his best to help addicts recover and give them a place to stay when they had nobody else. I have no idea what he thought about me, the left-wing transgender niece of one of his closest friends, but he certainly never said anything negative to my family. I certainly preferred his preaching and music over the sheer hatred spewed in some of the churches around here. Later in life, He'd moderated his tone somewhat and focused on secular music, though he maintained his beliefs and continued his mission trips. He loved playing the blues, and he loved people. He went to New Orleans, where he caught the coronavirus in a misguided attempt to save souls, but he also wanted to see his old friends and experience another Mardi Gras. It's absolutely fair to criticize Landon for his reckless decision. He put himself and his family at risk. If his condition had worsened only a couple of days later, he might have inadvertently started an outbreak in my hometown and put my immunocompromised relatives at risk. He was a grown man who made a terrible choice and paid an awful price. But he was no different from the average Republican in my hometown. They may not share his religious views, but they express the same skepticism regarding the pandemic, and some still congregate in public places without regard for social distance. They aren't doing it because they think God will give them immunity to disease. 
and they aren't going out to restaurants to save souls. They're doing it because they don't take the problem seriously enough, thanks to right-wing media outlets that downplayed the pandemic even as the numbers ticked up. Some of them were shocked by Donald Trump's nomination and election, and a few have left the party or sought alternatives. But the majority see him as just another president, a victim of crooked political smear campaigns spread by ridiculous jealousy-crazed liberals. When he told them that Russian meddling was a hoax, that climate change was overblown, that what happened in Ukraine was just typical diplomacy. They easily accepted it. To them, it was just common sense that Democrats were always going to lie and blow things out of proportion. It's not something they spend all their waking hours thinking about. It's just a set of beliefs they learn from their parents as children and rarely question. It's frustrating and baffling and arguing with them rarely gets anywhere. Usually, the damage done by these convictions is slow and long-term, but the pandemic posed a much more immediate threat. When Landon shared a meme calling the coronavirus pandemic an overblown hoax, he was following in the footsteps of millions of other conservatives who made the mistake of trusting the President of the United States and their favorite media outlets. Landon even acknowledged that the coronavirus was real, but he thought it would come and go with little effect. He probably doubted he'd ever be exposed. Around the same time Landon was preparing for Mardi Gras, Trump was claiming that he had the coronavirus under control and that cases were decreasing in the United States. He implied only a tiny handful would get the virus and that most Americans would never need to worry about it. Anyone who saw Trump as a normal president and relied on Fox News and Facebook posts from their like-minded friends was seeing a constant stream of reassurances that the coronavirus wasn't a big deal. Like many evangelicals in the charismatic tradition, Landon thought that God would likely protect him from any serious disease. It's a non-negotiable belief for that subset of evangelical Christianity, and some believers even deliberately put themselves at risk as an expression of faith. But even that belief has limits. I don't know what Landon was thinking, but I can't believe that he would have put himself and his family at risk had he known the truth. He began feeling sick sometime after Mardi Gras, but a coronavirus test returned a false negative. On his way home, he suddenly collapsed. Another test came up positive. He spent his last days in a strange city, sedated and face down in a desperate effort to keep him breathing. Whatever mistakes he made, nobody deserves that. I'm angry and heartbroken at his death, and wondered about the millions of others who continue to laugh off the virus. These beliefs continue, even after the president dropped his own previous claims about the virus. I don't know how to convince people that Trump was lying to them or get certain evangelicals to stop putting themselves at risk. Maybe they'd be more cautious if they imagined their families mourning them.
unable to even see them in person in their last days. Maybe evangelicals will realize that if a sincere believer like Landon can get sick while witnessing to crowds, nobody has unconditional protection from God. This situation is infuriating, and I understand why people are taking out their frustrations on this random street preacher. But we're all in this together, and the virus doesn't distinguish between conservatives and progressives. We need to stop the spread, even if that means swallowing legitimate anger and reaching out to the misinformed and reckless. There will be plenty of time for blame after this is over. Emily Brumfield Hessen is a writer in Virginia. Dick Farrell COVID-denying anti-vaxxer and right-wing radio host Dick Farrell dies of COVID at 65. It's a scamdemic. By Teresa Brain, New York Daily News, August 8, 2021. It's a scamdemic, he said. Dr. Anthony Fauci, the country's leading infectious disease expert, is a power-tripping lying freak, he said. Then the tune changed. Get the vax, he said. Then it became too late. COVID took one of my best friends, wrote a grieving Amy K. Hare on Facebook after his death last Wednesday. Rest in peace, Dick Farrell. He is the reason I took the shot. He texted me and told me to get it. He told me that this virus is no joke, and he said, I wish I had gotten it. The post concluded with two hashtags about COVID, one containing an expletive and one a vaccine battle cry. The Florida man, born and raised in Queens, New York, had worked as a fill-in anchor for Newsmax in 2018, according to Deadline, and also did so after the radio station he worked at, WFLN, was sold in 2016. He had started work at radio stations on Long Island. His boss and station owner, George Kalman, wrote in a no-bit, then landed a job as the morning man on WVIP-FM in Westchester, New York. He was known as the other Rush Limbaugh, his partner Kit Farley wrote in a now-private post obtained by Deadline. With a heavy heart, I can only say this was so unexpected. He will be missed. As recently as June, though, Farrell was calling pro-vaccination people power-trip lib loons and urged people not to get the shots. As an unabashed and ardent Donald Trump supporter, Farrell was steeped in conspiracy theories on everything from unsubstantiated claims of election fraud in 2020 to the efficacy of coronavirus vaccines. I was one of the people like him who didn't trust the vaccine, Hare told WPTV-TV. I trusted my immune system. I just became more afraid of getting COVID-19 than I was of any possible side effects of the vaccine. I'm glad I got vaccinated. Farrell is the latest in a spate of prominent anti-vaxxer COVID deaths, joining Texas Republican H. Scott Apley, who died the same day, five days after posting mask-mocking memes and questioning the vaccine. 
Another notable COVID death was that of Stephen Harmon, who belonged to a California megachurch and joked that he had 99 problems, but a vax ain't one. Teresa Brain has written breaking news for the New York Daily News National Desk since November 2018. Misled and misinformed. Extreme right meets the virus, and a death in the family results. By Dan Rodericks, The Baltimore Sun, July 22, 2021. It can be jarring the first time you see it. An angry, sexist meme about House Speaker Nancy Pelosi posted on the Facebook page of one of your favorite relatives. An affable and kind-hearted soul you always considered politically moderate, with a slight lean to the right. Even more jarring, discovering that a cousin you once admired hates and rejects the COVID-19 vaccinations championed by President Joe Biden. Hearing that two of your all-time favorite musicians, Van Morrison and Eric Clapton, are anti-vaxxers who collaborated on an anti-lockdown song at the height of the pandemic. That was jarring, too. Far worse, however, is learning that a relative has died from COVID-19 and that his death could have been avoided had he not rejected vaccination. His death was so unnecessary, said Dennis Champney, 72, of Glen Arm in Baltimore County, when he spoke with me recently about a male cousin of his who died in mid-June in North Carolina. His cousin was always conservative, Champney says, but took a hard turn to the extreme right with Donald Trump's election in 2016. In email exchanges, he expressed hostility toward liberals and immigrants, and at one point declared the pandemic a hoax. Still, Champney kept in touch with him. When we were growing up in New York, he was like a brother to me, Champney said. But we parted company sometime after Trump was defeated in November, and the conversations ended in January. I suggested that news of his cousin's death must have stirred a mix of emotions, perhaps sadness spiked with bafflement. Yes, bafflement, Chapney responded in an email. There is also a sense of anger. I love the guy, and it feels like he committed suicide. I often sit here and just try to embrace the love we once had for each other. In the next moment, I think, what the hell has happened to people's minds? I knew something dangerous was afoot when a relative told me that President Barack Obama had taken all the Bibles from military bases and replaced them with Korans. I still shake my head at that one. There was no convincing her that wasn't true. I have avoided any type of conversation about politics with her since then, for my mental well-being. A lot of us have been there. If not dealing with the physical death of a relative or friend, then with the death or suspension of a relationship or friendship. We have always had to make adjustments to ideological differences in families and social circles. But since the Trump travesty, such adjustments have been more like estrangements. On both very personal and national levels, the political resistance to the COVID-19 vaccines has inflicted great damage. Many of us, 
maybe even most of us, were raised with the quaint idea that the President of the United States should be reasonably intelligent, informed, and humane. He should not be a chronic liar, not an outright bigot, not a science denier, and certainly not a fomenter of insurrection. And I'll go further and say that most of us were raised with firm instruction that democracy requires civilized debate and agreed-upon facts, that education is key to personal and societal success, that science saves lives and might even save the planet. We have spent the last few years scratching our heads that anyone, much less college-educated men and women who serve in Congress, no matter how conservative, could reject any of those solid notions. But here we are, coming out of the pandemic, haltingly, with a new threat that appears to be causing another rise in cases because millions of Americans misled and misinformed by Trump-aligned politicians and media figures continue to reject the vaccines. More than seven months since the first vaccinations became available, Less than half of the U.S. population has been fully vaccinated, according to the largest figures from the U.S. Centers for Disease Control and Prevention. It's hard to believe that so many Americans still resent and reject the efforts to get the spread of the deadly virus under control. Maryland, fortunately, has fared better than most states. We presently rank sixth in percentage of the eligible population that has been fully vaccinated. We're at 57%, according to the CDC. Let me draw a direct line to another ranking. This one from WalletHub, and based on data from numerous sources, including the U.S. Census Bureau, Maryland is second among the states in educational attainment. We're in the top 10 with Massachusetts, Colorado, Connecticut, New Jersey, Virginia, Vermont, New Hampshire, Washington, and Minnesota. Nine of those well-educated states, plus the District of Columbia, are ranked in the top 15 for getting their residents fully vaccinated. Minnesota is currently ranked just below, at 16th, with a 53% fully vax rate. Clearly, education level has a lot to do with higher vaccination rates. But the decision to get the shots is also influenced by peer pressure and leadership. So thank your teachers, but also be grateful that you live in an atmosphere of rational political leadership, of rational political leadership, and that you enjoy the company of mostly informed, level-headed friends, neighbors, and co-workers who took the COVID-19 threat and remedy seriously. As for the rest, stubborn distant cousins who refuse the needle, fear-mongering politicians, myth-spreading right-wing media, and the millions of citizens of 30 states with vaccination rates below 50%, you can feel Dennis Champney's bafflement and his sadness and his anger. Dan Rodericks is a longtime columnist for the Baltimore Sun and a local radio and television personality who has won several awards spanning five decades. The Many Regrets The Tragedy of COVID Victims Who Said No to the Vaccine 
by Stephen Collinson, CNN, Tuesday, August 3rd, 2021. They didn't have to die. This is the terrible truth of America's new pandemic battlefront, as the malicious, highly infectious Delta variant surges, targeting millions who sadly left it too late to protect themselves with safe, free, and effective vaccines. Michael Friedi, a Las Vegas father of five, could still be the light of his kids' lives. Instead, they will be always haunted by one of his wrenching final texts before he died on Thursday. I should have gotten the damn vaccine. Kim Magan, a 63-year-old Arkansas grandma and fitness enthusiast, should still have years to watch her family grow. Instead, her daughter, Rachel Rosser, a nurse, is left to ask why she couldn't convince her late mom to get her shots. I'm angry that she didn't get vaccinated. And I personally feel guilty that I didn't try harder, Rosser said. Unfortunately, Megan had reasoned that if she was going to come down with COVID, she would have gotten it by now. The loved ones of the dead are not alone in their poignant laments. Some of those who survived about with COVID after long days struggling for breath or saddled with debilitating side effects, wonder why they didn't take a simple step to spare themselves and their loved ones from the nightmare. Janine Starling, a Floridian who has eight kids, shivered to think what would have happened to her six-year-old had Starling not made it through what she said was a horrifying spell in the intensive care unit. She admitted listening to people who said the government was forcing people to fill their bodies with an untested substance. I was one of those people that was like, I can't believe people are just going to just inject their body with this medication that we don't know enough about, Starling 43 said. Now I'm like, it's just a shot. Just get the stupid shot. That vaccine could have stopped all of this. Just one little shot. I feel foolish that I didn't get it. As Alicia Ball sat by her husband William's bedside, where he slumbered in an exhausted sleep in an oxygen mask last week, she said they had delayed getting their shots. But she told CNN from Mississippi, I wouldn't want my worst enemy to go through this. As infections grow, powered by the Delta variant of COVID-19, these devastating stories of needless human loss and pain, shared in recent days with CNN anchors and reporters, including John Berman, Martin Savage, Randy Kay, Miguel Marquez, Chris Cuomo, and others, will be repeated thousands of times over. Some of those offering testimony agreed to speak out even while mourning and experiencing personal agony to help others avoid their fate. The vast human tragedy of the pandemic, with more than 600,000 American deaths alone, was already almost unbearable. But many of those lost in earlier waves of disease didn't have a chance. Some succumbed to comorbidities that left them vulnerable to COVID-19 an illness for which there are few effective therapies. Others got sick after not taking the disease and the social distancing advice of government scientists seriously enough. Many were just unlucky and condemned to their fate by biology or chance. 
but the idea that many such tragedies can now be avoided, but won't be because, for whatever reason, millions of American adults won't get vaccinated, may herald the most painful phase yet of this cursed global emergency. Most people who get COVID-19 will still not die or get seriously sick, a factor that has clearly colored the calculations of many in the country who are suspicious of public health advice or think the worst won't happen to them. But the latest data from the U.S. Centers for Disease Control and Prevention, combined with the vicious march of the Delta variant, weights the calculation even further towards getting vaccinated before it's too late. For all the talk of breakthrough infections, only a tiny proportion of those who are inoculated against COVID-19 actually contract the virus. A smaller number get sick and need to go to the hospital. An even tinier number die. So getting the shots, while not offering a 100% guarantee of survivability, the fragility of human life mitigates against that offers enormous and stunning protection. The CDC said on Saturday, for example, that less than 0.004% of people who have been fully vaccinated against COVID-19 experience a breakthrough case resulting in hospitalization. Less than 0.001% died from the disease. While the tally of those breakthrough cases, 6,587, and deaths, 1,263, seems like a lot, they need to be set against the fact that more than 163 million people in the United States were fully vaccinated against COVID-19 as of July 26. And the CDC reported on Monday that 70% of all U.S. adults have received at least one COVID-19 vaccine shot reaching a benchmark goal that President Joe Biden had hoped to hit a little less than one month ago. Given the staggering success of vaccines, even as the Delta variant lays siege to the country, the decision of many Americans to forego the protection that could save their lives comes across as puzzling to those who have their shots. There are many, many reasons why people are reluctant. Some wanted to wait and see whether there were any side effects over time for the vaccinated. Suspicion of government runs deep in the American soul, undermining some of the Biden White House's pleas for people to go ahead and protect themselves. In some parts of the country, left largely untouched by earlier COVID assaults that emptied the streets in great cities, there was a feeling that the disease didn't pose a serious threat. And since most people get better from their infections, there is a strong sense that your chances are still pretty good if you do get sick, especially if you are young and don't have pre-existing health conditions. In many cases, the pressure of work and busy lives causes some people to put off their shots. Politics also undeniably played a role. The fact that ex-president Donald Trump despite presiding over an administration that helped fund the development of vaccines, politicized COVID-19 so grievously and mocked mask wearing means that it can hardly be a coincidence that almost all the least vaccinated states voted for him last November and are now badly exposed to the Delta variant. 
months of anti-vaccine propaganda by conservative news networks watched by Trump supporters stigmatized the vaccine for many. In Missouri, which is being hammered by Delta, CNN reported that some people are getting their shots in secret to avoid social and political pressure to hold out. They didn't want to have to deal with the peer pressure or the outbursts from other people about them. Giving in to everything, Dr. Priscilla Frace, an internist and chief medical information officer at Ozarks Healthcare in West Plains, told CNN's Anderson Cooper. Even now, many Republicans appear to be making a political decision to avoid the vaccine despite its life-saving potential. A Monmouth University poll published on Monday found that 17% remain opposed to getting the vaccine at all. Among that group, 70% either identify with or lean toward the Republican Party, while just 6% align with the Democrats. The idea that anyone would not save themselves because they are listening to a politician, not just Trump, who is downplaying the pandemic to boost their own career or a right-wing pundit spiking their ratings is its own tragedy. But no matter the reason, it's increasingly clear that people who refuse the vaccine are now taking a significant risk with their own lives and health. And the well-being of those who might be left behind if they die. With kids under 12 still ineligible to be vaccinated, the skeptics also risk exposing the youngest and vulnerable members of society to a serious disease. Ultimately, they are laying a wager in what West Virginia's Republican Governor Jim Justice called a death lottery. The controversy over vaccines has once again exposed the deep political and societal chasm cleaving the United States. And it raises the question of whether getting vaccinated is not just a personal choice, but a step that should be considered in terms of an individual's debt to society. This question is especially difficult for many doctors and nurses who have spent more than a year surrounded by COVID deaths in ICUs. Many share stories of people refusing to believe that they have COVID-19, even up until the moment they are intubated. Others beg for the vaccine, even though once you get sick, it's too late. Some people insist that we're lying to them about their COVID-positive diagnosis, even sick people. Nurse Morgan Babin told CNN last week in Louisiana, where the virus is rampant. The reality of unnecessary death is adding to stress and damaging morale among many medical professionals as the nation gears up for another prolonged battle against the virus. It's also very frustrating. We're human, too. As physicians, nurses, respiratory therapists, etc., we have basically a miracle drug. Dr. Murtaza Akhtar, an emergency physician at Florida International University, told CNN's Anna Cabrera last week. We have something that can help prevent infection and especially completely prevent severe infection and yet people refuse to get it. And they come in begging for help but also refusing the vaccine. It's utterly ironic. It's very, quite frankly, anger-inducing. One patient who learned that lesson was Amy Metzen, 44, who told CNN in a hospital last week that she was furious with herself because she was not vaccinated. 
I just don't want anyone else winding up like me, especially when the vaccine is so easy to get now, she said. Michael Friedi's fiance, Jessica Dupreez, who got her shots as soon as he tested positive, told CNN's Berman on Monday that she believes that he would still be with her if he got vaccinated. I do. I think that it at least would have lessened the symptoms and he could have fought longer and had a better chance, she said. Dupreeze said the loss of Freedy, 39, still feels surreal. His seven-year-old son still sends texts to his phone. The very first one was, Dad, are you still alive? She said on New Day. Those of you that are hesitating and think it can't happen to me because I am young, it can. And then you're going to be sitting there wondering why you didn't, and you're not going to be able to hug your family again. It's not worth it. Some important words to listen to if you have not gotten vaccinated. Uh, get out there and do it. That brings us to the end of yet another episode of Tom Reads Your Story. Portions were pre-recorded. Tell your friends if you have enjoyed your visit today because we're always looking for new ones. Thanks, Anchor.fm, for the opportunity. I greatly appreciate it. Until next time, keep posting, everyone, and get the shot. Okay? Good. Bye now. This is Tom Zania. For more information on my availability for your e-learning, commercial, or audiobook project, visit my website at www.tomzvoices.weebly.com. We hope you visit us again real soon for another episode of Tom Reads Your Story.